folks, you're in for a treat today. I'm glad you tuned in. Uh, welcome to the Red River Rising, Pastor Mike, as usual, with brother author Rick Salcedo, getting into part three here. We're going to wrap it up, I think, today on God's grace to salvation. Rick, what do you think? Think we'll get it done? Yeah, I think we'll get it done. All right, all right. We'll okay. get it started then, man. Okay, well, just to recap, we talked about uh, God's amazing grace. Uh, it's, it's undeserved favor upon us when God initiated the salvation process and uh, Jesus came and and suffered and died as the punishment for our sins. Mm-hmm. So now God is standing there offering the gift of salvation to all humanity. Mm-hmm. Okay, but each individual person has to make the choice right. and go through the process of receiving that. You know, yeah. um, we read several verses that say, "Believe, call on the name of the Lord." Uh, you know, get baptized and all this. Um, so there's things we have to do to receive that gift. Okay. And these are mental and physical acts. So, you know, then that puts us on the, the shaky ground of, oh no, you know, do we have to get saved by works? You know, there is action on our part to receive that gift. Right. Um, and then we also saw in Titus that God's grace has manifested, it has appeared in our lives. And what it does is it offers that salvation to us, mm-hmm. which we got to reach out and receive. And, but it also compels us to live a repentant and obedient life. So, yep. so we've covered all that and we went into each one of those, uh, salvation, repentance, and, uh, and obedience. We went into that in the first two parts. So now we wanted to, t- and then, and then we kind of got into, well, let's talk about some salvation doctrines. Cause we, we, we discussed, uh, salvation, you know, from this lesson plan, but let's talk about some other doctrines. And one is eternal security. Mm-hmm. And it, you, I'm sure everyone's heard the phrase, once saved, always saved. Right. Um, and that's the belief that Christ paid the price for one's sins, past, present, and future, no matter what. Yeah. You know, and I, and there have been, you know, uh, denominational doctrines based on this. There have been lifelong ministries based on this. And, you know, I, I, I've heard preachers that, that purport this say, you can't do anything to get it. Therefore, you can't do anything to lose it. Mm-hmm. So once you're saved, you're always saved. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, is that really true? I would, I would say that word get is the, is the operative word. Um, that's kind of misleading because we just covered in part one, in part one, I believe it was, um, that you have to do mental and physical action to receive that gift. Mm-hmm. So I think that that word getting is a little, it, you take that out and you put in there deserve or earn. You can't do anything to deserve it. Right. Okay. So I think, I think this whole premise, you know, for, forming a doctrine on this whole premise, you can't do anything to get it, um, is, is, is faulty. It's a little misleading. Um, and it, you know, in such a doctrine, it would compel people to take advantage of salvation, you know, to live a lifestyle of sin. Um, because, you know, we, we're going to contend with sin nature all our lives. Okay. And if you tell someone, you know, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and all your sins are forgiven, no matter what, you're, you're good. You're going to heaven. Well, I guarantee you, um, and let me, you know, when I worked at Target, you know, I was uh, the front end supervisor and we had some young ladies that were cashiers and, and, um, and it wasn't just at Target, but I can remember a couple of the young ladies, but I've seen this in all walks of life where their parents gave them birth control pills just in case, you know, just in case they were violated or just in case they went out and got a little too drunk or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
a hundred percent of those ladies ended up being sexually active by their own choice because they had that assurance they wouldn't get pregnant. Gotcha. So this assurance that I'm going to heaven, I think nine times out of 10, it's going to compel someone to live a lifestyle of sin because they think they're covered. Okay. And then repentance and, and obedience goes out the window. Well, again, now we talked about that, that repentance is tied into salvation, right? So for me, it has to be there. The repentance piece has to be there to accept salvation. So if the repentance is there, then this whole thing about the lifestyle of sin wouldn't even matter because it really shouldn't even be coming into play. Mm-hmm. Me personally, that's what I believe. Yeah. That. So, all right, well, let's all right. Get, so, in, get into some more here. Let's confuse yeah. these people some more here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so this, you know, this attitude is, is referred to cheap grace mm-hmm. or a license to sin. Right. Okay. So does that, do we really have that? Is that really a thing or is that just, you know? No, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, Paul even references this in the book of Romans as well. Uh, Romans six, and I'm going to back up here. I'm going to start at verse 14 and just read 14 and 15. It says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. And Paul, so Paul is even telling us here that just mm-hmm. because we have grace doesn't mean that we have a license to sin. Right. Matter of fact, it's the opposite of that. Right. We have the opportunity not to sin. Right. So, and, and if it pleases God for us not to sin, that's what we should do. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And in, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if you're not keeping his commandments by living in sin willfully, then you don't love Jesus because he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And will God let anyone into heaven who doesn't love him? Right, because that's a choice now. You're not talking about slipping up. You're talking about, I know it, but I ain't doing it. Right. That's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. And First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, it says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So we just had a big laundry list, and I don't think the the list is exclusive to this. I don't think this is all inclusive. It's basically saying, you know, if you're a wrongdoer, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Right. Not that you may do wrong. But that you're a wrongdoer. I want to go back to that too. Yes. Because it's not about slipping up and, and because we're, you know, it's a constant battle mm-hmm. between our flesh, our natural and, and our, and our spirit. So mm-hmm. there's always a battle between the two. Right. And we, we even, even Peter wrote about that, said that we will stumble, you mm-hmm. know, but the point is, as are you choosing it? Are you saying that I'm going to do this in spite of everything else? Right. This is what I'm choosing to do. Yeah. It's a willful, Lifestyle to sin. That's right. A willful lifestyle to sin. That's right. Thinking that I can do this and I'm still covered by the blood and I'm going to go to hell. That's right. And I can do it as much as I want. That's right. That that is not, you know, that is not the case. Right. Right. And, and I find it interesting here. It says, and you know, some people will just say, well, these wrongdoers were never really saved. Mm. But what I find interesting and intriguing, and you can draw your own conclusion from this, is it says, uh, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? That word, you know, why didn't you just say will not go to heaven or cannot go to heaven or going to miss out? It says will inherit. 
an inheritance is a transaction between a father and his children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, draw your own conclusions. Is Paul talking to the children of God here huh. when he's preaching this, uh-huh. when he's writing this? Um, you know, you can argue one way or the other. My advice is why take that chance? Right, right. I agree with <laughs> yeah, that. You know, yep. um, and in Matthew chapter six, verses 14 through 16 slash Mark eleven twenty five, they pretty much say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. It says, when you pray, forgive those who have offended you so your father in heaven can forgive you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you say that you just, you know, you're a very unforgiving person. But you claim the blood of Jesus, you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you just refuse to be forgiving to others. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you going to go to heaven? You know, do you have that, you know, once saved, always saved assurance? Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, because it says clearly, you know, you have to forgive in order to be forgiven. Yeah. Okay. So again, you know, draw your own conclusions on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's telling us here, people who don't forgive are not forgiven. And if you're not forgiven, are you going to get into heaven? You know, so that kind of blows the water out of I can do whatever I want. Yeah, you know, know, when I read this too, I'm reading, uh, of course, we've read a lot of the scriptures here. But, you know, these are scriptures and not accusations. Have you noticed that? I mean, these are really just statements of fact that Paul is writing. Mm -hmm. And I would almost liken them to these are like uh, thermometers (laughs) to test your own waters. Mm-hmm. You ought to be using these to test you to see if they're not testing somebody else's mm-hmm. water, but this is for you. Hey, right. that's what Paul is saying here. If you don't forget, you better be challenging in your heart. Are you forgiving others? Yes. Yes. All this is directed to the individual who's listening to this. That's we're, right. We're not encouraging you to use this as a uh, barometer on other people. That's correct. You know, this is you examine yourself based off of these. Scriptures. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, and in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Yes. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, through the writer of Colossians, is giving us a command. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And we just saw up in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. You know, so we are commanded to forgive. You know, and if we don't, we're not going to be forgiven ourselves. So are we really going to make it to heaven if that's our, you know, the, the situation that we're in? It's real easy if you think about it in the context of what you've been forgiven for to then forgive somebody else who may cut you off in traffic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or that family member who has, you know, talked a smack about you or, you know, something else that maybe somebody has hurt your feelings. But if you put it into the context of what you've been forgiven for, mm-hmm. it makes it a whole lot easier. And if right. we're mindful of that, it will be able to see that fruit come out in our life quite often and yeah. a whole lot more. Yeah. yeah. And, and also that's a good point. Always, you know, remember you don't let it put you under condemnation, but, right. but remember what you were, the miry muck you were brought out of. Yeah. Okay. But by the same token, don't fall into that trap where, well, their sin is worse than anything I've ever done. Right. So right. I can right. condemn them. Yeah. You don't want to do that. No. Sin is sin, sin is sin. sin. And That's we've right. all messed up. That's right. That's so. right. All right. Um, so in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name uh-huh. and in thy name have cast out devils uh-huh. and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them. I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Ye that work iniquity, wrongdoers. 
depart from me. Okay. Now, we could spend a lot of time right here, Rick. <laughs> a lot of yeah. time. Yeah. So, you know, that doesn't sound like, you know, once saved, always saved, I can sin all I want. Because yeah. this is saying, you're a wrongdoer. I never knew you. Depart from me. So that kind of, you know, pulls the uh, the foundation out of that whole the line of thinking, that doctrine there. Now, listen, folks, I want to take this and I'm going to go in a completely different direction. But I just one second, I got to throw this out there because you need to understand this. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Did, did you you caught that right? It said, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out uh, devils in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Listen to me. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. So even though you're listening to this, I want you to remember there are times when we I have done nothing but simply stated the name of Jesus. I will be praying, looking, seeking, asking, and I just the name of Jesus alone is enough to move mountains. There's power in that name. Now, I know that's completely off the subject, but I want you to take that out of this as well, too, folks, that it's it's a powerful, powerful thing. Because when you see this, they say all this, and then Jesus said, I never knew you. The power didn't come from them. The power came from the name of Jesus. This mm-hmm. is why I will never hear me say, well, number one, curse words, but number two, using the Lord's name in a damnation way mm-hmm. carries just as much power in the opposite direction. Right. That's why we need to be careful when we're using the name of Jesus or yeah. God. Yes. Yeah. And uh, something interesting here, uh, you know, oftentimes people will say, you know, people that purport once saved, always saved will say, well, people that live in sin, wrongdoers, they were never really saved to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at these scriptures, it says, we prophesied in thy name. So in order to do that, the Holy Spirit has to be involved, right? Mm-hmm. It says in thy name we cast out devils. Well, the sons of Sceva tried to do that when Remember they that? weren't saved. Yeah, they got whipped up on them. And they, they got whipped up on. <laughs> so this kind of tells me that these were people that were children of God. That's something to think about. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, you draw your own conclusions. Right. But I think, you know... You can claim to be a child of God. You can accept him as your Lord and Savior. But if you're live, if you're a doer of iniquity, you just might forfeit your inheritance. You know, you know, again, why take that chance? I'm about to say, you know how not to worry about any of this? Yeah. Don't live a lifestyle of sin. Don't slip into it. That's right. That's right. There's lots of other examples in the Bible, how to make sure that you don't slide into this type of lifestyle. Right. And, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because Jesus, you know, in the, in the Lord's prayer, he said, lead us not into temptation or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of makes it sound like God's doing it. Right, okay. Right. But the more accurate thing is Lord, help us avoid temptation. Mm-hmm. Cause once we enter into temptation with that sin nature and the flesh, mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, you're going to slip up. So the key is to avoid that yeah. temptation. Well, Paul even wrote about this, you know, that this is why we, we edify each other. This is why we don't forsake the assembling together here is because we need to be able to build each other up. Cause it talked about, how impossible it is for one who has known the Holy Spirit and then has turned away 
to be restored. I, you know, I'm listen. You're talking dangerous grounds, right? Real dangerous grounds. Yeah. So why even play in that same exactly. pit? I, exactly. I don't even want to go on that playground. I don't even want to be on that block. Right. Let me just stay over here into this nice meadow field where I'm supposed yeah. to be. I'm going to abide in God's love. That's right. And and yeah. those that are over there, I'm not casting judgments onto them. I'm, my heart breaks for them. And that's why we're doing this is mm-hmm. because we don't want anybody to slip into any type of these things where you could be drawn away from true grace, the grace of, of salvation and from that eternal life that you can have because it affects so much more. Listen, it's down the road, but it affects what's happening right now in your life as well. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's yep. continue, bro. Okay, uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 27, it says, But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so again, we see, we just saw three scriptures that said, if you're an evildoer, if you if you live a lifestyle of sin, you're, you're not making it to heaven. Yep. First um, John chapter 2, verse 4, it says, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Mm-hmm. So if you're not living a repentant, obedient life, you can claim to be a child of God all you want, but you're not really walking in that full salvation experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not to say, you know, a, a new Christian doesn't have a lot of growing up to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you've been saved for years and years and years and you're still playing around with sin, something's wrong. Well, let's not forget the two, the two that all the laws hang on, the two things. Love God first with all that heart and then love your neighbor as yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are the two things that the whole law hangs on. Right. And if that's really the case of the love of God is first, these commandment pieces will naturally want to be fulfilled in your life. Right. Because God said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. That's exactly right. That's so, exactly you right. know, if you love God first, then you, you want to obey his commands. Yeah. Now, listen, folks, and I'm also going to tell you, at any point in time, you're sitting here and you're listening to this, you said, man, you know, this feels like me. You know how simple this is? It's just simply turning around. It's just repenting to God, mm-hmm. and God is right there. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. But you got to turn around to Him. You got to you got to do a one eighty and face Him mm-hmm. and acknowledge this, and then embrace that uh, that rest that we were talking about earlier. Right. You know. Right. Repentance. Uh, I, I'm not sure if we went over that definition, but uh, one of the definitions is to turn from bad and to turn toward good. Yes. So, like you said, you know, turn around. That's right. Do That's a one eighty. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay, uh, the next verse is in 1 John chapter 2 verse 4. Or no, I just read that one. So, uh, Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2, and it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Mm-hmm. So right here, Paul is saying, you know, the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, um, you don't have a license to sin. Right. Even though grace is abounds greater than all the sin we could ever commit, it doesn't give us a license to sin. We who are who have died to sin shouldn't continue to live in it. Yeah. And like you said, it's the evidence, it's the fruit. That's right. That that follows a changed life. That's right. You know, we've talked about, you know, if you love something or love someone, like I love my wife and my children. I I love my wife. I can't stand to see my wife suffering. I mean, even a little bit. If she wants a chocolate bar, I want my <laughs> wife to have a chocolate bar. I uh-huh. want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. I love her so much. And my kids the same way now. My kids are a little different because we we teach them as well and we, we, we mold them. But, you know, my wife, I want to please her. I want her to be happy. And it's the same kind of deal. It's, God says if we really love God, we want to please him. 
We want to do all these things. If, if God mm-hmm. says, hey, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself, I want to love people then. Mm-hmm. I may have struggles with it sometimes, right? right? Yeah. And go, hey, Lord, help me. Help me with this because I got to, to, to move past whatever this block may be. Yeah. And that's yeah. a good example. You know, you're trying to love your neighbor and some of them are very hard to be loved on. <laughs> they're right. They're not very lovable. And, right. um, <laughs> and you stumble. You fail. Yes. That's right. Well, this is an example of somebody that is at least trying. That's right. You that's know, right. versus somebody that says you know they're all yeah. blankety blanks and that's i'm not right. even going to associate with that's them. exactly right that's a, <laughs> or know? you know i wouldn't even invite them to come to church or i don't want anything to do with them blah blah, blah you know yeah. and now you're not caring about their soul right you know because you say well whatever you know name mm-hmm. my, ain't my cup of tea i ain't gonna worry about it whatever right yeah right so we see here the uh you know there is no eternal self there is no um you know eternal salvation or guarantee that you just confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and no matter what you do, you're going to heaven. Yeah. Okay. We've seen this, uh, in several verses that, uh, you have, you know, if, if you're a wrongdoer, wrongdoers aren't making it to heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this doctrine is not a very sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now another one that pertains to salvation is called universal salvation. And that's the belief that everyone will eventually go to heaven. God loved humanity so much yep. that the the sacrifice that Jesus made covered all humanity, no matter who you are. Now, some of you may suffer in hell for a while, but eventually everybody gets to go to heaven. Yeah, this is so messed up doctrine. I, I yep. don't even understand how this ever took root. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, there are, there are, matter of fact, this is a wave of this movement happening right now and has been for the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's really birthed out of and born out of the the fact that uh, people don't like accountability. Yeah, they don't want to give up their sin. That's right. And so they've come up with a doctrine to deceive themselves that everything's okay. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier, and I thought it's very fitting for this, is that sometimes they come up with their point or their doctrine, and then they go look for scriptures to support their doctrine, mm-hmm. not read the scriptures, understand the scriptures, and extrapolate doctrine out of it. Right. And that's exactly what they've done here. Yeah. That they've come up with their idea, and now they've torn the Bible apart to try to solidify and back up. I'm very passionate about this one because yeah. – this this is is rampant and it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's very very scary. Yeah. And the preachers and the people who are in the pulpits of America that preach this stuff, woe to you, my friend. Right. Woe to you. Yeah. Jesus said it'd be better if a millstone was tied around your neck and you were thrown into the you know into the waters. Yep. Uh, than to deceive one of my little ones. That's right. Than to offend one of my little ones. Yep. Yep. That's exactly yeah. right. And plus. Teachers and preachers are going to be held to a higher standard. Uh, James tells us that as well. That's yeah. right. Yes, sir. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Um, and, and, you know, one of the verses they use to justify this, like you said, they, they look for verses or parts of verses. They take them out of context to justify the doctrine that they want. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing the, the process completely backwards. Mm-hmm. And one of them is 1 Corinthians 15.22, and it says, In Christ all will be made alive. Sounds all, good, doesn't it? Yeah, all will be made alive. You know, even if you end up in hell for a little while, eventually we all are made alive. Yeah. Okay, but here's the full context. If you look at verse 22 and 23, it says, For just as in Adam all are dying, so also in the Christ all will be made alive. But each one in his own proper order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who belong to the Christ during his presence. That's right. Those who belong to the Christ. Yep. Okay, that's those who who... 
have embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior and they're living as children of God. That's right. Okay. So that qualifies who all is. All isn't all of humanity. It's referring to those who belong to Christ. All those who belong to Christ. That's right. All those who have become children of God. That's right. Not just all of humanity. Yeah. Um, and we've got several verses here that talk about eternal punishment. Which if we were all going to heaven, why would we even talk about punishment? If right. we were all going to, you know, at the end of it, we were all going to be there. Why even talk about any kind of consequences for sin? Right. And even, you know, and it doesn't even refer to temporary punishment. Right. It, it says eternal. Yep. You know, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart me. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, into the eternal, yep. unending fire. And Matthew 25, verses 41 and 46. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Yep. So, you know, there's eternal punishment. Once you go into eternal punishment... It's a done deal. It's eternal. Uh, it's not a temporary thing. And Second Thessalonians chapter one verses eight and nine it says, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Mm-hmm. Okay, that right there, you know, just it's blows the water out. Anything temporary, <laughs> I'm about to say, you yeah. know. The retribution to those who do not know God. So if you are not saved, then the retribution is eternal destruction. Mm -hmm. And it also goes on to say, and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the wrongdoers. You know, they are going to go to eternal destruction. Yep. You know, because somebody could reason, well, we, you know, the destruction is eternal because that's where Satan and his angels are. And humanity is just going to be there for a little bit. Oh. Well, this just blows the water out of that argument. Yep. Or it blows this argument out of the water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Romans 5 verse 15. And, uh, f- for if those, for if through the offense of one man many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Okay. So it says has abounded unto many. Not to all. Not to all. Not to all humanity. Yep. And, you know, something can only abound unto you if you partake of it and and indulge in the blessings of it. That's right. So it's referring to people who received the salvation. That is exactly right. Um, so the gift is presented to all, but it only abounds to the many that receive it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says, For as many, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the o- obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And again, we have the word many. We don't have the absolute all-inclusive uh, right. word, you know, all, all. or every. Yeah. So it says many. Um, so it, it's those people that accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, you know, the evidence of that is living a, a repentant and obedient life unto God. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that – uh, wraps up our lesson and, and, and to summarize, you know, Jesus gave up his divine prerogative to come down from heaven because the Holy Father asked him to and he's obedient to the Father and, and he lived, you know, he's a spirit because Jesus said God is spirit. So Jesus is a spirit, and, but he chose to dwell in the fleshly body of humanity for a while. 
and he suffered and died as punishment for our sins, for the sins I've committed, for the sins I'm going to commit. Right. But, you know, I'm making an attempt not to sin. I'm, I am going to stumble. Yeah. Um, so that is the unmerited gift from God. God initiated that salvation process. Jesus was obedient and died for our sins. Mm-hmm. So now we have salvation offered to us. Yeah. That is the unmerited gift. That is the amazing grace. Now, receiving that gift takes actions on our part. We have to believe. We have to be baptized. We have to confess. We have to repent. We have to forgive. We have to obey. And again, I want to emphasize the baptism uh, is a symbol of a changed heart. Right. Okay. So if you if you don't, you know, we've seen in the Bible where uh, the thief on the cross didn't have water baptism, but he was still saved. That's right. Okay. So, um, God's amazing grace unto salvation, you know, he initiated the salvation process. He offers it to us. That part is undeserved. There's nothing we can ever do to deserve that. Um, but then God's grace also compels us to live a repentant and obedient life unto God. Yeah. And, and we should do that because, you know, we, like you said, we love God with all our being. Yeah. So we should want to obey him and please him. That's right. And it should be a natural response. And, uh, with that natural response there, um, that would be fruit of what you would see from your choice mm-hmm. of salvation with it. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're just trying to use Jesus as a get out of jail free card mm-hmm. and you have no desire to repent, then I think you missed the target. Yeah. And look, and again, this isn't, you know, we didn't cover this or go over this so that you could take this and try to, you know, load up your shotgun of accusations and then start pointing it around at other people and say, Oh, I see this and I see this. That's not what this is for. This is more for, for you. Because if, if you are, are feeling of any of these that we've gone through, if the Holy Spirit is talking to you and saying, Hey, you're being convicted with these, I'd listen. And if you're not, if you've gone through this and say, eh, well, I mean, well, then there's probably a pretty good chance that, um, Maybe you need to talk to somebody about the gospel a little bit more too. Right. But, uh, yeah. If you're, if you know, if, if you aren't, if you are willfully sinning and you don't feel any conviction, you might want to seriously think about whether you're genuinely saved or not. Yeah. And I would, I would, I would, and I would encourage you then to reach out to your Bible preacher church to find some, an elder or your pastor there or somebody who, you know, is, is, is firmly rooted in that and seek advice from them and talk to them about this and let them let them know where you stand if you're because if you're willing to do that i can already tell you the holy spirit is moving you towards something greater and you need mm-hmm. to enact on that okay if yep. you're feeling that then that means that the holy spirit is dealing with you mm-hmm. but but don't use this or anything else because we don't know another man's heart Right. This is to examine That's yourself. Right. Rick and I never this started is, this out to say, hey, we want to cast stones at anybody or right. want you casting stones. Right. That's not what this is about. Yeah. Self-examination. You That's know, right. Uh, match this to how, to how you're living in, in your relationship with God. That's right. And there's lots of things that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so that's why we cover these things, because sometimes, you know, uh, you don't know about the forgiveness piece. Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe that's something that's new to you. Well, now that's something that in your mind you can start putting effort towards of, you know, bringing those thoughts under captivity of whatever unforgiveness towards others. And maybe that's where you could seek your mentorship and ask them, your mentor, mm-hmm. hey, can you help me through this? I'm having problems with this. Or mm-hmm. maybe your small groups that you're meeting again, whatever it may be. But, but yes, this is not for casting stones upon others. It's for self-examination, which mm-hmm. as Christians, as born again Christians, listen, I'm not saying self-examination for self-persecution. 
I'm talking self-examination for God exaltation. Right. Right. That's why we do it. Yep. So. Well, anyway. friends. Yep. Um, I hope you were blessed for, by this lesson and this series. This concludes. And uh, until we meet again, uh, prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen. <laughs>